worship a moment longer while you're turning to Luke 7.11. That's easy to remember, isn't it? Luke 7.11. We're going to continue in our series, The Stops of Jesus. And I'm going to talk to you today about a widow with a broken heart. So Luke 7.11, and let's just worship for a moment while you're turning. Yes, Lord. Now it says in verse 11, 711 of Luke, Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. So here's Jesus with an entourage of his disciples and a huge crowd following him, as always. Then it says, When he came near the, the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother. And she was a widow on top of that. And a large crowd from the city was with her. So both Jesus and the woman had large crowds following them. And so when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Do not weep. Then he came and watch this. He touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Verse 16 makes total sense. Then fear came upon everybody. And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen up among us, And God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Thank you for your word, Lord. Bless it to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him, Jesus will stop for you. Amen. We're continuing in the series now, The Stops of Jesus. We're reading here about a widow with a broken heart. And I have shared with you that we hear a lot about the steps of Jesus, but we don't hear a lot about the stops of Jesus. Jesus took many steps, went many places, traveled many miles. And there's books written on that called The Steps of Jesus, Where Jesus Walked, so on and so forth. And we're very interested in where he went, but how about where he stopped? Because Jesus often in the Bible stopped, and every time he stopped, hugely significant miracles happened. You know, a number of years ago, when I was very, very young in the Lord and um, was just growing in the things of God, I went to a meeting where Billy Graham was preaching. And I had always been inspired by Billy Graham, and he was sort of one of my heroes and still is today, as he is for many, many others. And um, I went to hear him, and it was, uh, actually it was a Southern Baptist convention, and he was the keynote speaker, and when I drove up, I knew this is going to be rough, because There wasn't room to receive the people, not so much as about the door. And when I went in, uh, no chairs. You couldn't find a parking place. There was an electricity in the air. Everybody was excited to hear Billy Graham. And I was looking for a place, and finding no chair, I kind of sat down on the floor in the aisle. And before long, one of the ushers came up to me and said, Son, you're going to have to leave. Now, I know this sounds like D.L. Moody's story last week, but it's very similar. I was that little boy, but I was a little bit older. And um, 
So I said, well, you know, I'll just sit right here. You know, no problem. If there's a fire, I'll get out with everybody else. And he said, no, you're, you're breaking fire codes. You're going to have to leave. And I said, I don't even know how to get out of here. Look around you. There's not a place to go. And the man said, go around behind the stage and walk out one of the back exit doors and you'll make it. And I said, ah, well, I said, Lord, I sure wanted to hear Billy Graham and wanted to be close to the spout where the glory comes out, you know? And uh, so I walked around behind the stage and I was walking out when all of a sudden my eye fell upon a figure walking away from me. And I thought, you know, he looks familiar to me. And I began to walk a little bit faster. And as I walked faster, I noticed his hair. Because so often I had seen Billy Graham's hair from the back when he would turn to say something. I noticed he had that evangelistic kind of duck tail. And I thought, now this looks familiar to me. And so I thought it can't be him because there was nobody around him, no bodyguards, no nothing. He was just walking. And I thought, it's not him, but boy, it sure looks like him. But I quickened my pace and finally got all about from here to that back row. And I just decided to venture out and say, Mr. Graham, Mr. Graham. And to my shock, this man stopped and turned around and it was him. And I just froze. And you know what he did? He stopped. And he shook my hand. I didn't wash it for a week. (laughs) He shook my hand and asked me questions. Well, how long have you known the Lord? I couldn't even remember. I said, oh, you know, a few years. And wonderful, wonderful. Praise the Lord, he says. And talked to me for about three minutes standing there before he was going to address a packed-out arena. And then he finally walked away, and I realized that I had grabbed him on the way to the restroom. And you know that that affected me more than I can tell you, that Billy Graham, in all of his busyness, all of his fame, everybody clamoring to get near him, that he stopped for me and bothered to ask me a few questions. And I thought, you know what? Not anything that I've ever seen him do made me think that he was Christ-like than the fact that he stopped for an unknown teenager and asked me when I had been born again and bothered to ask me about my life. Greatness stopped for a nobody. And you know, Jesus stopped for people. I want you to know that Jesus stopped for people in need. And every time he stopped, He let us know that he was not just a Messiah for the crowds, but he was a Savior for the individual. He cares about you. He cares about what you're experiencing, what you're going through, what you're feeling. Jesus cares about you. And in our story today, what we have is a broken-hearted widow. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Already, she'd lost her husband, and now, to her dismay, her only son had died in the beginning of his days. As the psalmist said, man comes forth like a flower and is cut down. Jesus had just healed the centurion's son the day before, 
and was now traveling from town to town, healing the sick, casting out devils. And when he entered towards or approached the city called Nain, he he approached and stood in the city gate. And while he was standing in the city gate, a funeral procession began to go by. And while he was watching this procession go by, his eyes fell on a woman. He could tell that this was the mourner the chief mourner, the primary mourner. No doubt she was probably wearing black. You could tell that this was the woman who had lost the loved one. And the Bible says his heart was moved with compassion for this widow, and Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Now we've seen in the last couple of weeks that Jesus stopped at the cry of desperate faith. He stopped at the cry of desperate faith in the case of the woman with an issue of blood. When she came up behind him and touched the hem of his garment, it was desperate faith, and desperate faith made him stop. And he stopped for a man with a question in the case of Zacchaeus. I'm going to tell you something. If you're honestly, truly seeking God, you really have a question for God, there's something you want to understand from God, Jesus will stop for an honest seeker. And Zacchaeus was an honest seeker, and Jesus stopped for him. But in both these instances, I want you to notice something. Those that he stopped for were actively seeking him. They were were reaching out for Jesus. Zacchaeus went up into the tree. The woman with the issue of blood came up behind him. But the case of this widow is very, very different. Because she didn't ask for him, and no one in the funeral procession called for him. He stopped all on his own. When he saw this broken-hearted mother, Matthew Henry says, purely from the goodness of his nature, he had compassion on her and was troubled for her. From the goodness of his nature. Let me tell you one of the great attack points of the devil in your mind and in mine. He wants to persuade you, convince you that God really doesn't care, that God isn't out for your best interest that God doesn't really know about you, that he's not going to take time to stop for you, that you're not that important to God. Isn't that what he he convinced Eve of all the way back in the garden at the site of the first sin? He attacked the character and the integrity of God when he said to Eve, don't you know God's tricking you? Don't you know he's holding back from you? Don't you know he is robbing you? He doesn't want you to have what he has. He doesn't want you to be like him. And she believed a lie about God and that preceded her fall. And I want you to notice that here's this widow. She doesn't even know that God, wrapped in skin, come to earth in the form of a servant, was fully aware of her pain and plight, was touched with the feeling of her infirmity, and had stopped to turn a tragedy of pain into a triumph of compassion. She was not even aware that God, in the form of Jesus Christ, was watching and loving her, caring about her, taking stock of her plight, and was about to do something to change things for her. Now, when I read this, I cannot help but realize something. Think about this with me. God has a habit of raising only begotten sons from the dead. God has a habit of raising only begotten sons from the dead. You know, i got to remembering that Elijah, in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings 17, Elijah raised the widow of Zarephath's only son from the dead. And Elisha, his predecessor, raised the Shunammite woman's only son from the dead. 
And in this case, Jesus raises the widow of Nain's son. And not long from then, on the first Easter morning, God raised His only begotten Son from the dead. God has a thing about looking at people who are having trouble with their only sons, with those things that hurt them and bring pain to them. And Jesus' heart was moved over this mother. He was moved over her plight. He was touched by her pain. Can I tell you today, Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows the pain you're feeling. And don't you allow the enemy for a moment to lie to you and tell you he's off creating other planets, off flinging other stars into space, or he's paying attention to somebody more important than you. Because this widow, we don't even know her name. We only know that she lost her son and Jesus saw it. His heart went out to her. He was touched by her plight. He was touched by her pain and he wanted to do something to help her and he will also stop for you. He's looking at what you're going through right now. He knows what you're experiencing right now and he truly does feel your pain. Jesus stopped, stopped over a mother's broken heart. A mother's broken heart stopped God in his tracks and filled his heart with compassion. I want to say to every mother in this room, and every mother listening by tape, who have lost children to death, there is one who is watching and has stopped over your situation. He knows the ache of your heart. And let me tell you something about a broken heart. There is nothing more painful than a broken heart. It's the pain that just keeps on giving. When you've got a broken heart, It's not a matter of you letting go of it. You desperately want it to let go of you. A broken heart will take your sleep away, take your appetite away. You can't think, you can't concentrate on anything but your broken heart and the loss that you've incurred. But can I give you some good news today? That greatest of pains, Jesus was sent and anointed by God to bind up the broken in heart. He wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to heal your pain. He wants to put a skip in your step, a gleam in your eye, a smile on your face, a shout of joy in your voice. He wants to heal your broken heart. Or maybe your child is alive, but you've lost them to drugs. Or a broken relationship. Or some other calamity has separated you from them, and they might as well be dead. You know, when a child loses himself in drugs, it's like they died. And sometimes a broken relationship can come between a parent and a child. And it's like they've died. I want you to hang on and listen to the rest of this message. Because there is a God who cares about the relationship between parents and children. There is a God who cares about broken hearts. Jesus has stopped right now over your life. And he is moved with compassion. Because if he stopped for that widow with a broken heart, he was telling us through all of time, through his word, this is what I feel. This is what I experience when I see a broken heart. And so Jesus stopped and said to her something that didn't make any sense. Has God ever said anything to you that doesn't make any sense? You know, sometimes when God speaks, it just does not make any sense. Because here she is, she's burying now the only other male in her life. First she lost her husband, Now she's lost her son, the son that was going to bring her strength, the son that brought her joy, the son that no doubt was going to help her make a living. And yet the Bible says 
that Jesus stopped to bind up that broken heart. Jesus stopped for her. And he said something that didn't make any sense. She's watching him be carried away. There's a hundred or more people crying with her. And the Bible says that Jesus said, don't cry, do not weep. What do you mean, do not weep? I've lost my only son. Do not weep. And I'm going to tell you why. If there be no God, then rightly we sorrow as those who have no hope. If there is no God, we all need to go out and have a cry session. If there is no God, then eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you die. If there is no God, we have no hope. But the moment Jesus enters the scene, there is a reason to anticipate tears being turned to joy. I'm going to say that again. The moment Jesus enters the scene, there is a reason to anticipate tears being turned to joy. Because when Jesus comes on the scene, faith comes with Him. When Jesus comes on the scene, hope comes with Him. When Jesus comes on the scene, you hadn't seen anything yet. He turns sorrow into joy. I want you to say with me, there is a reason to anticipate my tears being turned to joy because Jesus is in the house. Give him a hand of praise today, can you? Well, I'm going to talk to somebody here today. Somebody's going to be turned around and touched because you need to know in your sorrow and in your pain and what looks like a desperate situation to you, Jesus is on the scene. It says that Jesus stopped once he had walked up to the procession and the coffin is being taken past him, all the mourners crying, the woman crying. She doesn't even know who he is. And Jesus, it says, reached out and touched, touched. He touched. He touched. Jesus touched the open coffin. No doubt the pallbearers looked at him like, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? There was a moment where nobody knew exactly what was going on, but Jesus reached out, and are you ready? He touched the tragedy. Jesus touched the tragedy. He walked into a tragedy. He walked into black despair. He walked into a scenario that looked like there was no hope. And Jesus reached out after he had stopped. He reached out and he touched the tragedy. He entered the eye of the storm. He placed his hand on the cause. He placed his hand on the cause. He placed his hand on the cause. Can I preach a little bit today? He placed his hand on the cause of the heartbreak. He reached right out and Jesus touched the cause of the heartbreak. And those who were carrying the coffin stood still. You know, it's an amazing thing. When Jesus stands still and begins to do something for you, there comes a time when you need to stand still and let him do it. Come on, everybody. He reached out and he touched the tragedy. He, he touched, he moved himself into the eye of the storm. And that's what Jesus does. He didn't stand at a distance and watch you cry. He doesn't stand at a distance and watch you get shattered. He doesn't stand at a distance and let tragedy come upon you. He steps into the eye of the storm, the cause of the heartbreak, the epicenter of the tragedy, and He touches it. 
Come on, everybody. Now, let me tell you what he was saying in essence. In, in essence, Jesus was saying, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. I know you're on a march towards a grave, but you haven't seen me yet. I know that you have put up the white flag and said it's over, but it's not over till I've had my say. And I'm telling you, hang on a minute. Don't give up yet. Don't surrender to defeat yet. But Lord, He's dead. And people had a way of saying that to Jesus. Like He didn't understand. Lord, I guess you haven't realized that boy is dead. That marriage is dead. This financial situation is dead. This relationship is dead. My hope is dead. But when we say dead, Jesus says, hang on. Hang on. Don't surrender to defeat yet. Don't bury this thing yet. Come on, everybody. I don't know if I'm preaching to people who have faith or not. Didn't Mary and Martha say to him, Lord, I guess you don't understand. We buried our brother four days ago. By now, he stinketh. But Jesus moves into things that stinketh. As a matter of fact, he majors on things that stinketh. But Lord, I had this drug problem a long time. Don't bury yourself yet. We've tried to make this thing work for a long time. Don't bury this thing yet. I'm touching. I'm touching it. Didn't He say in another place, did I not say unto you that if you would believe, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God somehow, some way, maybe not your way, maybe not what is in your mind, but if you believe, I'm telling you, you will see the glory of God. Now, you know, he does all things well, but I'm going to tell you what Jesus could not and did not ever do well. He could not preach a good funeral. He ruined every funeral. There were professional mourners who were hired to cry and weep and wail and carry on in funerals of that day. They'd boo-hoo and cry and carry on and make a big scene and were even paid sometimes to do it. They wanted the funeral to take place. They wanted the person to be buried. They wanted a tragedy to happen. But every time Jesus came up on a funeral, He raised the dead. He turned it around. He turned night to day. He turned tears to joy. He turned unbelief into shocked faith. How often we declare something dead. How often we declare something dead, finished, hopeless, and put it in a coffin of unbelief. Bring a group of mourners together and head for the grave before praying about it. Are you burying something in your life today? Are you saying to yourself about something in your life today, this is dead, it's hopeless, it's finished, it's over? Have you considered praying about it and opening yourself up to the Word of God? Because you may hear these words, do not weep. You may hear the words, do not weep. Well, what do you mean, do not weep? It's dead. Well, you don't understand. Yes, in the natural, it's dead. But I have just arrived and my hand has reached out and touched the rim of that coffin. I'm about to move in your life 
So don't say it's dead. I'm telling you, you've got a reason to anticipate your tears being turned to joy. Well, Pastor Jeff, it looks dead. Oh, all kinds of things look dead to the natural eye. All kinds of things look dead to the flesh. But when faith comes on the scene and Jesus speaks a word to you, can I encourage you today, if you think something is dead in your life that you really did believe God wanted to touch, that you will yet linger and ask God to speak a word to you because that's exactly what He did to this woman. He spoke three words to her. Do not weep. I think that made her sit up. She began to dry the tears from her eyes, looked at him like, what in the world are you saying? Right about then, he reached out and he touched the edge of that tragedy. And he began to move. I said, he began to move. And I believe he's beginning to move in some of your lives. You need to open your ears. I read just yesterday, Jesus made a statement that I never caught before. He said, let these words sink into your ears. Let these words sink into your ears. You know what we do so much when we read the Bible? They don't sink. They just fly past our ears. When it sinks into your ear, you consider it. You think about it. You ponder it. You weigh it. You, 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 you meditate on it. And you know what? You receive it. Let these words sink into your ears. Do not weep. We assume that God doesn't care and wouldn't stop for us. But we might hear Him saying, do not weep. Do not weep. There is hope. When they stood still, Jesus took over. Now folks, there's a time to act and there is a time to stand still. God told Moses when he was facing the Red Sea and the army was coming up behind him and it looked like they were going to be sandwiched in between a tragedy. They had the option of either drowning or being annihilated by a furious army. And Moses didn't know what to do, and God said these words to him. Stand still. Stand still. What do you mean, stand still? It's a moment for action. I know that. But it's not you that's going to act, it's me. And when it's me that's going to act, I want you to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord that He will show to you today. The psalmist David said, be still and know that I am God. These pallbearers carrying this coffin, the grave is just over yonder. They're going to bury this boy. The mother's weeping. The crowd is mourning. All is dark and dismal. Jesus stopped. Says, don't weep. Receive my word. And then touched the edge of that tragedy. And they had to do something. They had to stand still. They stopped. And I think, the Bible doesn't say it, but I'm I'm assuming they put it down. They released the burden. They released the burden. If God's going to move on your situation, let me tell you what you've got to do. You've got to receive His Word. He's going to speak a word to you. Sometimes just one word. Chill. Sometimes just one word. Sometimes just a few. You know, God is not a God of many, many words when He speaks to me in my spirit. He'll just say something like, don't weep. It's going to be all right. I've got it in my hands. I'm going to take care of it. Now here you are. You're carrying what you're assuming is dead. What I'm saying to you is, stand still 
and let it down. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you, because the surgeon cannot operate until the patient is under anesthesia. He can't operate on you until you lay it down and let go of it and leave it alone. And as soon as they stopped and laid it down, then Jesus was able to do what man could not do. When you stop, am I talking to anybody here today? You need to hear this word today because this is the way he operates. See, I can't put it down. If I put it down, it's going to all go crazy. So I'm going to hold on to it. What has happened to it with you? Hold on to it. It's gone crazy. If I let go of those kids, they're going to get even worse. Let go of them. Turn them over to God. But I don't know. He's invisible. I don't see him moving. Oh, you just give him a chance. So they took that burden and they put it down. Then the master could perform a miracle. Roll your burden upon the Lord, Psalms 55.22 says, and He will sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. Sometimes the miracle waits for you to stop and let go and let Him do what He's told you. I love this. First He spoke to the woman. Then the pallbearers let go of it. Then Jesus spoke to the tragedy itself. He spoke to the tragedy itself. Isn't that what he does? Didn't he speak to the storming wind and say, stop, be still? And doesn't he do that with our storms? He spoke to the tragedy. And he'll speak to your tragedy. First, he'll speak to you and say, let it go. Trust me. Don't weep. Something is about to happen. Give it to me. But then, when you let go of it, He'll speak to the tragedy itself. Young man, I say to you, I say to you. Young man, a lot of people have said a lot of things about you, but I say, you know, I've learned something, folks. It doesn't matter what people say, but it matters a whole lot what he says. It matters a whole lot what he says. What he says about a situation and what he says about you. Young man, they've called you dead. Young man, they're about to bury you. Young man, they're about to write you off and erase you. But I say to you, I know what circumstances are saying, young man. I know what the mourners are saying, young man. But that is not what I'm saying. I say to you, Get up. Get up. This thing is dead. I say to you, get up. But you don't understand the situation, Jesus. I say to you, get up. Oh, folks, how we need to consider the likelihood that what circumstances and people are saying about our dilemma is not what God is saying. Come on, everybody. It's not what God is saying. And it's so crucial to listen to what he's saying. Pastor, I'm just so down. I can't hear God. Yes, you can. But I'm just so under it and I've made so many mistakes. I can't hear God. Yes, you can. You get alone and you open up that Bible. Turn off that idiot box called the television. Just turn it off. Close Good Housekeeping. Close Cosmopolitan. Close People Magazine. I don't care what Brad Pitt's doing. I don't care what Angelina Jolie is doing. I care a whole lot about what God is doing. Have you ever considered the insanity 
of what mass media does to us, living our own lives, and we find ourselves caught up in the emotional dramas of some people with pretty faces and messed up lives? I want to know what God is saying to me. All I care about is what He is saying to me. So you close those magazines. You get into a quiet place. And you say, Jesus, here is my heart. I pour out my heart to you. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what it looks like to me. I'm not leaving this place until you speak to me. I'm not getting up until you bless me. Be as determined as Jacob was wrestling with the angel all night long. He grabbed hold of him and said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Don't let God go till he says, I say unto you. As soon as he said, I say unto you, everything happened. It says the boy sat up and began to speak. Now I'm going to tell you something, folks. Morning was over with then. All formality was thrown to the wind then. Because right at that instant, when he said, I say unto you, arise, he spoke to the tragedy and told it to live. He spoke to the tragedy and told it to get up. He spoke to the tragedy and told it to be changed. He spoke against all the naysayers and gainsayers who are around, and he told the tragedy to act and behave in a way that nobody expected or would have anticipated. The boy, the tragedy, the problem, the dilemma, the heartbreak sat up and began to speak. The test that had caused this mother's moaning was turned into a testimony. That's what testimonies come from. Testings that bring moaning. When somebody says to you, I've got a testimony, you can bet. They had a test and they had some moaning. But they gave the test and they gave the moaning to God and God turned the testing and the moaning into a testimony. And is anybody here today... Do you want a moan or do you want a testimony? <laughs> Pastor Jeff, do you really believe this? Oh, I not only believe it, I know it with all my heart. This is what God does. This is what he majors in. That's why he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's why I believe Romans 8, 28, it says he's able to make all things work together for the good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. That's why I believe the Bible says he has made you more than a conqueror through him who loved you and died for you and rose from the dead. That's why I believe he leads us in victory to victory and faith to faith. Yes, I believe these things. If this is not true, I'll never preach again. But it's true. Forgive me if I'm stirred up about it. But we need to be stirred up about it. Say with me, the test that is causing me to moan is going to be a testimony. You know what testimonies do? They sit up and talk. Hey, come on, everybody. You've got a time in your life when God touched you you were in pain, you were in darkness, you were in despair, you were lost, you were headed to hell, and God reached down and touched you. You had a test, and you were moaning, but God turned it into a testimony. So when you talk to somebody these days and tell them God is real, it says you overcome the devil by the word of your testimony that used to be a test where you were moaning, but now it's a testimony. Currently in your life, something doesn't look good. It may even be breaking your heart. 
children gone astray, finances lost, marriage destroyed or in trouble, sickness that is racking and ravaging your body. Jesus sees it. And can I give you a word? He stopped over it. He's already stopped. He's already stopped over it. And he wants to touch the tragedy with a touch of hope. He's saying, stop the funeral march. I've stopped to do something. Now you've got to stop and let me. I don't know about you. I don't like tests and I don't like moaning. I do like what they produce, testimonies. But listen, you've got a choice. Those people and the children of Israel, I read it again this week. They could have, they could have traversed that wilderness in 11 days. Fact. Forty years. Would they have a test? Would they have a bunch of moaning? And you know what? They never had the joy of seeing it turn into a testimony. Only two of them did. But it was their choice. Now listen, Jesus has stopped. He wants to touch the tragedy. He wants you to stop the funeral march. Quit saying over it. It's dead. It's gone. It's over. Believe that God can do something when everybody else has wrung their hands and walked away. Receive His touch and His Word into your heartbreak. And He'll turn a tragedy of pain into a triumph of compassion. I want you to stand with me today, can you? Now, I want, to just, I want to just end this, this message with this. Because I want to make it real simple where when you walk out of here, you can put it in your pocket, and when you wake up in the morning, you're going to remember what I said. How is a test that is making you moan turn into a testimony? You've got to receive the Word of God over it and not your own thoughts. If He says to you, do not weep, or I'm going to do something, and that's so often the way the Holy Spirit speaks... In the middle of a storm, he'll say, it's going to be okay. Huh? I don't think you see what I'm going through. No, you don't understand. I see the end from the beginning. And I'm telling you, it's going to be okay. Just hang on. Remember getting on those six flag rides? Where even in the line, signs told you not to get on. If you have heart disease, diabetes, fear problems, doubts, anything, don't get on this ride. And we go, oh, cool, I'm going to get on it. You get on that thing. And that automated steel buckle clams down on you and you hear it clamp like you just got put in jail. And you know now it is too late. And there's only one thing you can do. Hang on. Last time I did it, I did it with Julia. We went to Six Flags. It was Father's Day. I wanted to be a good dad. So I said, any ride you want. Ask me if I regretted those words. <laughs> any ride you want. Of course, she picked the most terrifying thing in the whole park. And I remember thinking, is there any way for me to get out of this? Maybe I can just tell her I don't feel good. And I said, Julia, I'm just not really feeling up to par. I said, you get on it. She said, no, you're fine. Come on. It's Father's Day. Well, see, I knew I wanted points for Father's Day, but got on. And I remember when that thing clanked down around me and my knuckles began to get white, and I saw all the other parents with me. 
moms who regretted it, dads who were wondering what they had done to themselves. And now, all you can do is hang on. And you want to look over in the middle of the ride and act like everything's cool and say, isn't this a blast? But I couldn't even look at her. I couldn't even look. And at this ride, after you did a bunch of loops and all kinds of things God never intended your body to go through, you come down towards the end and a camera takes your picture. This, this was blackmail material for Julia because what did I look like? I looked like I just stuck my fingers in a light socket and I looked like I was in sheer terror. You know why? Because I was. I had to remind God of my calling when I was up there. Sometimes, folks, God says to you, all I'm asking you to do is just hang on and give it time. Do what I tell you to do, live right, and just hang on, give it time. So you receive his word and then give it to him. How hard is that to do? Oh, so hard. But give it to him. If you have to do it a hundred times a day, give it to him. And then let him turn a tragedy into a source of glory. He stopped for a mother with a broken heart. Father, we thank you that you care about us and our heart. You care about our pain. You see the moaning, and you see what is testing us. You see, Lord, how our fleshly strength has run out. And Lord, some of us are carrying the tragedy to a grave, saying it's too late. But Lord, we see that you have stopped and have reached out to touch our tragedy. And we see that it's time for us to let go of it so that you can do a miracle. Now, folks, if this is where you are today, I want you to lift your hand, lift it right up to him. And I want you to say, Lord, I release it. I release it. I release it. Just tell him right now, I lay it down like they laid down that body. And I'm going to let you talk to the tragedy. I'm going to let you talk to the tragedy. I'm done talking to it. I'm going to let you talk to the tragedy. You speak to the storm. Now I want you to say to him, Lord, I expect a testimony to come out of this. A testimony to the glory of God. My testing and my knowing are going to sit up someday and talk and give glory to God. For God does not live, and I know he does. Now let's just lift our hands and thank the Lord for hearing this. I believe God for it. Say with me, a testimony is on the way. 
A testimony is on the way. A testimony is on the way that's going to talk and give glory to God. It's going to talk and give glory to God. It's going to talk and give glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand of praise one more time today, can we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So how many of you needed that today? You need that word today? A testimony's coming. Testimony's coming. Want to remind you about Wednesday night? We're going to go through the book of Genesis. If you need prayer today after church, I'm going to be standing right down here, and I'd love to pray with you and talk to you. And um, we're going to believe God to touch your life. I can already hear some of you. Pastor Jeff, really.